All right, we're live. Another episode of Monero Talk. Uh, we're with Benedict Buns, one of the or what is it? The one of the authors of Bulletproofs, or uh, how how is it uh, explained in the community? That's true. Yeah. Um, okay. And you were among who? Who were the other authors? Um. So it was uh the as the first author, sort of. Um, so then uh, it was Jonathan Boodle from University College London, my advisor, Dan Benet, and then also the Bitcoin core developers, uh, Peter Woolley, uh, Andrew Paulstra, and Greg Maxwell. Cool. Yeah, so anybody that's uh, not living under a rock in the crypto community is well aware of Bulletproofs, I think, as of today, now that it's launched uh, live on the Monero network. Yeah, it's uh, a very very timely podcast. Like we didn't we didn't schedule it like this, or at least I wasn't aware that it was going to. Uh, be... We we were aware. We knew the 18th was uh was the oh, day okay. of, the, of the hard fork. So I, um, I yeah. Too much. By the way, I'm just maybe going to get headphones so that okay. But yeah, just one second. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Test, test. Oh, no? can't hear you. Uh, test one, yep. two, three. Uh, yep, I'm hearing you now. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, okay, we, so we yeah. do the, the hard fork. Yeah, hard fork was happening today, <laughs> and uh, everybody's been waiting for bulletproofs to be added. Um, so are you working closely with the Monero community or not so much? You're just kind of on a, a different level there, just kind of more working behind the scenes on the cryptography itself and not so much yeah, interacting uh, with the Monero community. I mean, um, more, uh, sort of, you know, working in the academic community. Um, like, you know, I've, I've, I've talked to the Monero folks and, uh, I've, uh, I guess I, I did an audit uh, of the code, um, but no, I mean that's the cool thing, you know, about about research is we we released everything to the public domain and and we uh, um, we had some code that we made uh, publicly available such that anybody can take it and and use it and that's exactly what sort of the Monero team did is they just took the the ideas and implemented this themselves and and used it and uh, I think that's a it's a great thing you know if we don't hide the secrets but you know like keep everything in the open and, and keep everything accessible and that's the value of, of, of research is it fair to say it was originally designed with Bitcoin in mind or not even so much um not you know I I, I mean it's uh, so the Bitcoin core developers came to us um, Actually, I think you know we were originally talking about Mimblewimble, um, which is another like an idea concept for a, a cryptocurrency where you have confidential payments. And I think it was designed with confidential payments in mind. And in my opinion, like so, that's something that is separate or, or important, like very much independent of what cryptocurrency you have or you use, right? I think that no one, like no matter what your views on on, on privacy are. Like even if you look at something like Venmo, um, which is something that, that people use in the real world in the US at least, which is like you can just send money privately, even there in the most public version of it, you see what 
you know, who pays whom. And, uh, you know, this might be scary for some people, but even in that version, you don't see how much is being paid, right? Even there, the, the amounts are, are hidden. And I think this is sort of, I would never want to have, like, I don't think even if you're, if you're a business or if you're a private person, you don't want to have your salary public on the blockchain. You don't want to have, um, uh, you know, if you're a business, you don't want to have uh, the, your business secrets, how much you're paying for, you know, your supplies public on a blockchain. So I think it's really just about, like, I think confidentiality is really just about making blockchains usable um, more than anything else. And then there's the additional aspect that I think, uh, like, cryptocurrencies like uh, Monero or Zcash uh, have, where you also want to hide who's paying whom which I think there's also very good motivations for, but that, that becomes in some ways, you know, more of a political discussion. Also, you know, what you want there. Um, I certainly think those are, those are very important features as well, but I think they're sort of like almost orthogonal. Um, so it wasn't really in mind with, you know, a particular cryptocurrency. I think it's just something, you know, that like uh, this, like zero knowledge proofs are some a, a very general cryptographic tools, and I think confidential payments are something that are like I hope whatever the future is going to be, like you know whatever cryptocurrencies exist, my hope would be that all of them have some way of at the very least, you know, some way of privacy, and at the very least, you know, confidential uh, transactions, and hopefully even more, you know, and and so. But it's great that you know Monero is taking this step forward and 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 implementing it and and uh, using it and I think that's that's really cool and amazing. Yeah, I mean it must be exciting to actually see uh, your research be implemented. I mean, what was it only a year ago that you guys finished the paper? Yeah, we published the paper less than a year ago. Um, I should look up what the what the date was that we first put it online. I mean, uh, I can actually do that right now. Um, but that's, you know, that's, uh, obviously I'm super excited about this. Yeah. November 11th, fir November 1st, 2017. So less than a year ago. That's amazing. The paper, and within a year, it's like securing, I don't know, over a billion dollars worth of, of Monero. That's exciting, slightly scary. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's, it's just, that's, you know, one of the, the amazing things about this hype is, is, you know, the willingness of to to take new research and like really stay cutting edge research, and and deploy it and use it in practice. And you know, we've had like zero knowledge proofs are a really old thing in, in cryptography, but before cryptocurrencies, no one was really using them, um, and we didn't have use cases. We only used sort of, you know, cryptography is used like signatures and, and encryption is used all over the place, but sort of the fancier newer cryptography has only become you know i guess i guess used and applied and and, and with with these cryptocurrencies and in a wide, wide scale you know there's some electronic voting before maybe but i think that's you know that uh is is one of the things that is really exciting about this so are is it fair to say that you guys are you know people in your field are potentially becoming more excited about something like monero then because it's it's actually uh implementing these technologies um, yeah, I think I think so. You know, I mean, you know, I, I can't speak for the whole field uh, of academics or whatever. I think, in general, I think that cryptographers have come 
you know, in, in the beginning, maybe people were slightly dismissive or it's, they're still, you know, they're still, a, people see all the hives, see all the, you know, the shit coins and see all the, the pump and dump and, and whatever and, and the, the crazy volatility. And, and it's very easy to dismiss cryptocurrencies if you're not sort of in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and for, you know, like some of it for pretty good reasons, you know, it's, 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 uh, there's a lot of craziness going on. And I think it's important to admit that. But I think people are realizing now that, that there's some, like underlying value in it and that there's actually cool technology to be used and, and cryptographers especially are realizing that there's really cool interesting open problems really you know people willing to to read your research really people getting excited about your research like you know normally you publish a paper i guess and and you know three people read it and um like that includes yourself and there's this like and here you know you get you get communities excited about your research and that's something uh, i guess researchers thrive on, on as, as most humans thrive on acknowledgement and, and recognition. So, I mean, I think this is something really exciting. And, and I think, you know, Monero being uh, willing to take new research ideas and, 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 and develop them and, 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 you know, have a fund research. And, and I think all of these things uh, make it sort of something that is, is seen as, as more reputable and, and something where, you know, you wouldn't like, no one is going to like accept the paper where you where you where you solve some problem for a cryptocurrency that no one cares about. So um, I think like it's important to have that, you know, uh, be recognized as something uh, reputable. And I think that Monero certainly is is there. So uh, what other what do you? I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but are are there particular coins that you're excited about? Is it just is it Monero and Bitcoin? Is it like the the big and like a Zcash. Maybe? I'm, I'm very, uh, you know, or you're agnostic, I'm agnostic to, you know, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm advising some cryptocurrency startups and uh, I'm like, I try to be as agnostic as possible. You know, if, if uh, like if, if people are, you know, solving interesting problems, doing something new, not just copying old stuff. Um, I think then, then that's interesting. I, I don't have, you know, uh, I, I try to stay out of the political arguments as much as possible. I don't mm-hmm. think that, that my voice adds much there. Um, that's for other people to discuss. And, you know, as long as you, I mean, there's like certainly coins, uh, I don't know if you, there's certainly coins that I would kind of dismiss like this, uh, I don't know, IOTA had this um, thing where, where someone found a um, break in the ha- hash function or like some researchers found like a problem, a security bug with it. And then instead of sort of acknowledging that and fixing it and then saying like, thank you for, for you know, they did a, the researchers then disclosed it to the team such that the team could fix it and, and you know, no one would get harmed. Uh, and instead of doing that, they basically public, publicly um, sort of shamed the researchers and saying, you know, that they're doing this for ethereum motives and and you know didn't really acknowledge that they made a mistake and and i think that sort of treatment um is is not okay like that's you know certainly something that will will get researchers to not you know like to dismiss a currency um so uh, <laughs> i can say that i'm not a fan of iota but uh, other than that i i try to stay sort of out of uh, you know out of the politics and and I think you know in general I think that privacy is 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 something that I'm personally excited about so 
you know, Monero or, or Zcash or, or, or the, the member-member protocol are, are interesting things. Um, but yeah. Do you also look at it in terms of fungibility and as fungibility being uh, an essential component to these things? Yeah, I think that um, I view it from from multiple perspectives. I think that um, fungibility seems to be uh, important. You know, it's it's like there's always the question of you know, like. Bitcoin doesn't have so great fungibility, but at least until now it works in practice. So you know we'll we, we'll have to see you know how much how much like does this become an issue? I think that um, I think that from a user perspective, um, I think in the end you know users and usability matters the most. Uh, you know that's sort of and we have to make privacy usable. Like otherwise, people are not going to use it. People are very, very lazy about using privacy if they don't absolutely need it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to make it sort of very much the default, very uh, user friendly. So, for example, the problem is if if only the people that need privacy use it, then you get terrible privacy, right? Because then everybody that uses Monero or a privacy coin is immediately suspect because they need privacy, right? So. Um, like I don't like the, I guess the notion of of just privacy coins is is, it's sort of sad. Like every coin should be it should be like the default, and then it becomes a much more powerful tool. Right. Um, it's you know that's the great thing I guess with um, sort of a completely different field, but end to end encryption in messengers like WhatsApp deploying end to end encryption to to billions of users around the world. It's like end-to-end encryption has become effectively the default for um, for messaging, which is really cool because now suddenly, if you use an end-to-end encrypted messenger, you're not suddenly suspect anymore because you want to like you're not willing to uh, you know say what you're texting to your friends. You don't want to put that publicly, but it's become sort of accepted that that's the default. And and I think um, if we can achieve the same for currency, that that would be you know, a goal that um, I'm, I'm personally invested in and strive forward. And um, I think, for example, you know, like the, the thing that I've been saying about confidentiality, I think that, you know, we need to make it clear to users that um, that sort of like revealing everything publicly on the blockchain is just like, it's just not usable. Like, you know, I don't want to have... Uh, my my salary. I don't want to have you know all of my payments publicly on the blockchain. And and you know people say you know p- there's this I guess this 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 myth that that Bitcoin itself is is private. But there's been lots of analysis that shows that you can actually link the link Bitcoin addresses together very well. You know you can figure out who owns or like you know which addresses go together, who owns what, and um, yeah, that makes it. I think um, quite dangerous, and and um, so yeah, th- that's certainly something that I'm invested in, and, and um, a big fan of is, is more privacy for cryptocurrencies. And I think there's different approaches, and I think it's honestly, you know, like it's it's good that different approaches get explored, and we'll see sort of you know what what comes up on top. Do you think Bitcoin will adopt? Uh... Bulletproofs or some form of you know confidential transactions. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm you know like uh, you'll have to ask uh, other people for that. I think like the the, the version that I've heard the most like reasonable um, approach for it is is that 
they will have a sort of extension block where um, you can switch from Bitcoin to confidential Bitcoins and then uh, switch back so that it's, you know, you can, that basically if anything goes wrong with the confidential, confidential part of it, the normal Bitcoin are, or the non-confidential Bitcoin are not affected. And um, I can see that happening, but Bitcoin for better or worse is, you know, like uh, one of the more conservative cryptocurrencies. Mm -hmm. I guess it's like, you know, established itself as that and, and is sort of much, um, much more conservative with adapting change, um, which has the benefit that, you know, it's less likely that things sort of break. But I think it's it's also exciting that there's other cryptocurrencies out there that are more willing to you know uh, adopt new technologies faster and and whatever. And but like what happens with Bitcoin, I I honestly don't know. You know that's right. uh, yeah, because that gets back to the problem that you're talking about. Because then it's it's people are then opting into the privacy, and it's not privacy by default. That's uh, and then exactly. it's like, well, very you must point, you yeah. must have something to hide if you're if you're deciding to use the privacy feature as opposed yeah. to being the default uh, function. But I see what you're saying that Monero is privacy by default. But then the then the argument becomes, well, if you're using Monero at all, then you must have something to hide. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, I think that's you know that's the case. I mean, I think that if I'm, uh, but. Uh, you know, maybe also Monero becomes uh, more popular and, 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 and more usable and, and whatever. And then um, the, uh, like the, these issues go away and people use it, use it for, for other reasons or it becomes sort of a more, you know, default thing. But it's, you know, we, we will see where this, this whole thing ends up. Still early days. So yeah, definitely. So Bulletproof, if you want to explain Bulletproof a little more. So it's basically, mm -hmm. it's a better way of doing a zero knowledge proof. Is that a fair yeah. assessment? So I guess like, um, so I guess, you know, we should back up and, and say what a zero knowledge proof is. So a zero knowledge proof is a proof that a certain statement is true, but I only tell you that a statement is true. I don't tell you why it's true. So I can, for example, prove to you, um, you know, that I know the solution to the New York Times crossword puzzle or whatever, but I won't give you any information about like what uh, the words are in the puzzle. And you will be convinced that I that there is a solution to it and that I know the solution, but you will have no idea what the solution is. And in a very similar way, I can prove to you that a uh, transaction is correct without giving you any information about uh, why it's correct. So for example, I don't have to tell you how much money I'm transacting. And I don't even have to tell you um, like whom, who is sending to whom. Or in Monero, it's like you specify like, you know, M and uh, you take those and you say like, hey, one of them is, is, is correct. And I guess in, in Bulletproofs, uh, in, in Monero, so Bulletproofs is a general zero knowledge tool. So you can do, you can kind of prove arbitrary statements um, like this. You can, you know, whatever complex transaction format you have, you can do the proof and it's a very, very short, uh, the proof is very short, you know, it's, it's probably less than two kilobytes or in, in uh, for the use case that Monero has, it's probably even less than one kilobyte. And I think previously it was probably, you know, 10 times as large. 
um, so the transactions were larger. Um, and in Monero specifically, it's used for the so-called range proof, which basically ensures that no new money is being created. So that the money that goes into a transaction is the same amount of money that goes out. And um, yeah, so that's what uh, what's, uh, bulletproofs are used for. So it's it's we 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 removed range proofs and replaced it with bulletproofs. So when I mean, bulletproof is a type of range proof. Oh, it is a type of range proof. So what? Yeah, what was you just use it to. So the range proof is the the statement gotcha. that you're doing, like you're proving well, that a number is 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 basically in a range, and um, and you can do that. The the previous range proof uh, used something called sigma protocols, or, or you know something. Like uh, you, you can describe it in multiple ways, but uh, and the new range proofs use bulletproofs, which are a lot shorter and, and faster to verify gotcha. as well. So how did you approach? I was just really curious. So how did you even get involved in this? Then it's you saw you saw this problem with the no, so the, the and so basically yeah, it's it's quite. So I was I was starting my PhD at Stanford. Um, the uh, so I'm a PhD student at Stanford. The, um, so and I guess you know uh, the the Bitcoin developers Peter, um, Andrew, and Greg uh, were meeting with Dan, and I happened to be you know around and, and got pulled into the meeting, uh, sort of randomly. And and um, they were basically saying you know like for confidential transactions or for Mimblewimble you know there's this pr problem that the range proofs are sort of too large, you know, like if, if we actually replace this, you know, this would blow up the transaction size and, and sort of, is there something you can do about this? Like, is there some better protocol that you can come up with? And then um, we worked on it and, and you know, we, we used some, there was some previous research by uh, Jens Gro Growth Group in, in London um, at University College London and uh, also, uh, um, Jonathan Boodle, who then became one of our co-authors. So they had like, uh, you know, sort of a, a zero knowledge proof, and then you know we 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 adapted it and improved it in in in, in many ways, and and um, used it to solve this problem. And and uh, yeah, then um, I guess that's sort of the story of, of how this got developed. Yeah, could it be re possibly refined? At even further and made even more Sorry, efficient. I can't hear you right now. Can you hear me? Hello. Hello. Nothing. Showing sound on Say my again? end. Can you hear me? Can you? Sorry. Yeah. Now I can hear you. Okay. Okay. Is it possible that um, bulletproofs can be refined even further and possibly made even more efficient? Yeah, so I mean, I think that um, the ultimate goal is to set, have something like a, so there's this other proof tool, um, uh, which is called a SNARK, um, and which has the advantage that it's even faster to verify. So sort of no matter how complex the statement is, the verification time is like 10 milliseconds. Um, and the, the problem with SNARKs is that they require a trusted setup. So what this means is that someone creates a, a proving key and a verification key in the beginning. 
and they have basically some some secret, some toxic material. And if they don't discard it, then they can use it to create fake proofs, which in the cryptocurrency means creating money out of thin air. So um, the I think the ultimate goal is to have something of you know that has the si a size similar to bulletproofs or or snarks, um, but without the trusted setup. So with uh, bulletproofs, the 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 proofs are short and 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 practically you know for something like a range proof, it's it's very efficient as well. But if you want to prove like very large complex statements, you know you could prove something like. Um, the the end goal is to have something where you can prove that my whole blockchain, like I give you the current head of the blockchain, um, or just the header of the head of the blockchain, and here's a proof. I can prove to you that the whole history was aggregated was was is correct. You know, all of the signatures in the history are correct. All of the um, the the you know the the proof of works are correct or whatever, um, and here is 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 this short proof, you know, and which takes ten milliseconds to verify, and um, and uh, you're convinced that this is the correct blockchain, even though your your verification takes ten milliseconds. So that would be amazing for sort of scalability reasons. You know, you can literally run your full node on on a phone. You don't need anything more. And I believe that you know this is something that we can do with snarks, but it's not something that we can do with bulletproofs. So if we can get something you know without the trusted setup of bulletproofs, but with the um, verification time and, and even shorter proof size of, of snarks, then you know that's the I think that's in some ways the holy grail. And um, so I think you know people are working on that. Hmm. But it's also a very difficult problem, so it's not like you know. Right, but it's not a, it's not a mathematical possi impossibility that you could have no, a a non-trusted no, setup version that's just as as efficient as a as a snark. You know, the thing is that in the end of the day, the constants matter a lot. Um, so we have something that you know asymptotically achieves these things, uh, like it's it's called a a, a stark or a CS proof, um, but in practice, these proofs are like these proofs are asymptotically, so uh, they don't grow a lot. Basically, they have good properties, but in practice, they're uh, you know they are um, uh, like I think six hundred kilobytes or, or a megabyte or whatever. So that just seems uh, too large, and, and um, so there's some problems with that. Um, but it's you know it's it's uh, nothing is impossible. I don't know like the. <laughs> Um, I think that, yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, um, I don't know if we if there's something you know with with exactly the same efficiencies as you know a snark without a trusted setup, but we'll um, yeah. I think that's what what many people are working on. Now snarks are being used by Zcash. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. And is Starks is Starks being used? No, I don't think it's it's being used yet uh, anywhere. Um, I think it sort of a snark or a bulletproof. They're sort of short enough that it makes sense. You know, they're like less than a bulletproof is like less than a kilobyte, and and a snark is even shorter. 
So it sort of makes sense to attach a snark or a bulletproof per transaction, right? Mm -hmm. Like in Monero now, every every transaction has a bulletproof attached to it. In Zcash, every transaction has a snark attached to it. And it's like short enough that that makes sense. If the proof is like a megabyte or 600 kilobytes, it does not make sense at all like to attach that to a transaction because you know your, your blockchain would just explode in, in size. Um, but what might make sense is you know using a, a Stark for more of these these aggregation purposes. You know that that you convince someone that a whole block is correct or or even the whole blockchain is correct. Um, using using a Stark, and I think there's uh, you know there there are people that are um, working on on you know I think there's a company called Starkware, and and there are researchers. Um, that are very actively working on that, and um, we, we were we currently have a we were working on 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 improvement for you know it's a it sort of it comes from a very different area, but this would bring down the, the proof size for Starks from like something like uh, you know it would reduce it to like a third of the original size, but that's you know that's helpful, but like isn't quite there yet. You know if you're if you're two hundred kilobytes instead of six hundred kilobytes. And that's still way too big to attach to his transaction, but you know maybe there's, you know, this is how research goes. You know, many, many there's many improvements in many different areas, and and you know people try different things, and some things work out, some things don't work out, and hopefully at the end uh, we'll end up with something good. You know, it's it's not, yeah, it's not often like it's it's not a straight you know shot from like I want to have this now I invent this and and then boom. But it's you know multiple small improvements by many different people over you know multiple years, um, and so we'll see. <laughs> so could bulletproofs potentially be used for these compression features as well, or no? So only snarks and stuff. Bulletproofs can be used to compress the size, but not to compress the verification time. Right. Okay. So you can you can you know prove these large statements for but the problem is then it takes like you know really really long to check that the statement that the proof is correct so that doesn't really make sense in that use case you really want something where you can just download the proof and uh, check it and and done right um, so I think that's uh, that's an exciting um, you know that would be something that's really exciting, but yeah, there's you know, I think there's many open questions and, and research directions, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I think there's a lot more to come. What do you think of this? This kind of the fud going around that um, coins like Monero actually require more trust in math than something like a Bitcoin that has a transparent ledger. Um, yeah, so I don't, I mean, well, there's, I think there's two things. Um, so I think that the trust in math is, um, like in some ways that just takes time and education. I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's of course, you know, I can see for how like a normal a user who isn't a cryptographer, this is, this is more, you know, this seems all like magic and, and like magic and, and, and crazy stuff. But like it, it actually works, and you know, there's there's an academic review process. You know, we didn't just put out like the bulletproof paper and and said like, hey, we think this is a good way to do this. 
like you have a formal mathematical proof that bulletproofs is as secure as like ECDSA signatures or even more secure in some ways or or Schnorr signatures which is what what is being used in 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 uh in uh, bitcoin so if bulletproofs is broken then you know their signature scheme in in bitcoin is as broken so like in some ways you're equally screwed um you know on on that realm i think the the um the other concern is that that people bring up a lot is is regarding quantum computers so the fear here is that the quantum computers can can break a lot of things they can break um the the signatures that are used in uh, in bitcoin uh, they can use the break bulletproofs they can use the previous range proof that uh, monero used they can break snarks you know um they can break all of these things um and what is i mean in my opinion even like more important is they can break the whole internet like you know whenever you web visit your web bank website you rely on 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 cryptography that um you know is is um essential you know that is that is vulnerable to quantum computers so um these these quantum computers seem very scary and and i think it's important to prepare ourselves for a future when they exist but like i'm very confident that they won't just you know like appear out of the blue i don't think that's not how innovation happens and they're still you know very very far away and it's it's hard to predict when exactly they come you know because we're we're terrible at making these kind of predictions but you know this is like 20 30 40 50 60 100 never never in the future right like it's not even clear that we will have them there's there's people that I, i'm not an expert in this but there's people that strongly believe that we won't be able to do them i think it's important to do research sort of in that area um and and develop new you know and my my group is here at Stanford and many cryptographers are working on quantum secure cryptography but it's just not ready yet it's just like it's not efficient enough and and um i think sort of doing something with monero like monero with quantum secure cryptography would just not be feasible and you would have to basically the option is like if if you're so afraid of quantum computers then you shouldn't then you shouldn't use cryptocurrencies at all but then you probably shouldn't even use the internet right um like that's just uh, yeah and the, there's a special so there's like i want to for there's a special reason why people are afraid of quantum computers for things like um monero or zcash which is that if you can create one like if you fake a signature if you create a fake signature or if you steal a private key which is what you can do with a quantum computer in, in bitcoin then uh you can steal someone's money but they would probably they would notice it they ha- would have evidence that it's being stolen in monero what you can do is you can use quantum computers to create money out of thin air which because of the confidentiality no one would be able to tell okay so um i think people are very scared of that because that would mean you know it's like the worst possible scenario is the silent inflation where um you have no idea you know what's you have no idea that your money is being stolen you just see the exchange rate dropping and dropping because people are selling you know the attackers selling these coins but to be honest i just 
like this is I think that Bitcoin would be equally dead if we had a quantum computer right this second. Like it's not, you know, it's totally not, um, you know, this is a very scary attack, but like this attacks on everything else are equally scary. But I think this thing to remind ourselves is that, you know, the whole world relies on this and we have no evidence like that, you know, people are, are um, like, we're not close, right? You know, and, 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 I don't know. Innovation works in funny ways, right? Like we've we've thought that we would have flying cars for like a, over a hundred years now, right? People were able to imagine flying cars for the longest time, but that's not actually what happened. But like no one imagined the internet, like that. I don't think people really thought of that. Um, so I think that you know it's it's important to prepare for the future, but it's not uh, like you shouldn't panic. Right, and it's it's I gather from what you're saying, it's not so much an issue that only obfuscated blockchains would have you no, equally not apply. A, not even, not just blockchains, you know, like the, I mean, you know, people in, in blockchains are, cryptocurrencies are, are very focused on that. Right. But like, I don't know, like, I think it's important that our military, like a military has secure, like, uh, communication. It's important that, you know, the, the, I can, my, my end-to-end, -end, my WhatsApp encryption is, is secure. It's important that my, you know, bank connection is secure. Like, a whole lot of things that that we need rely on on these quantum computers and like there's also you know people will say you know quantum computers are scary and 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 i guess we shouldn't work on them but you know if we if we prepare for them in the right way you know they have amazing applications in in material design and and uh you know the, the they can solve problems that we can and and you know they so um you know, maybe when they come, it will actually be a blessing rather than a curse. Um, so, yeah, I think I think we should fund and invest in quantum secure research, like absolutely, but we shouldn't panic at all. The one other thing that I want to say is that, um, you know, the thing to be scared of much more than like the math breaking or quantum computers or anything else are implementation bugs. Like, Develop like implementing cryptography is really really difficult, and um, is easy to get wrong. And the problem is like a bug in a normal software means that you're say like you know and we're using Hangout like say there's a bug in Hangout it means that you know my headphones don't work properly. A bug in 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 a cryptocurrency means that uh, you know the, the possibly your money can get stolen or there's a consensus failure and uh, or in cryptography yeah and and those things are and like bitcoin which is you know as conservative as it possibly can get had this double spent bug um which luckily they discovered in time but which could have you know allowed people to double spend coins without any you know without any you know fancy cryptography or whatsoever you know and i think we need to be like having good cryptographic implementations, that's sort of where we need, you know, a lot of eyes, a lot of, you know, um, uh, like vigilance and and um, th that's sort of for me the most scary part is is, is actually implementing these things. So um, yeah. Do you think Monero did a good job in in the way it went about implementing bulletproofs? Is it up to yeah, par with uh, the Bitcoin community? That, um, 
I think that um, I think they did a good job in, in doing a, um, an audit. Um, I so I mainly went over. So I mainly went over like you know it's it's important to to clarify what like I I did part of the audit. I I mainly went over it to make sure that they implemented the correct math, and you know I pointed out the sort of the things that they got slightly off um uh but it was like you know smaller smaller errors nothing that could have caused a great break and i think they had professional security firms also audit the the actual implementation not just sort of the like i just looked at the you know from math to code and then someone you know to other companies looked at you know is there sort of i don't know memory leaks or you know whatever i don't know what exactly they looked at um, so I think you know these these audits are are um, they're not um, like obviously this doesn't give you you can't get a hundred percent guarantee like it's just impossible I, but I think that seems to be sort of the best thing uh, you can do and I think you know one thing that the whole community does great is is being open source right I would not trust a non open source cryptocurrency like that just doesn't make any sense whatsoever right. And uh, so I think that that's what the whole community does. But I think these these audits are are good. You know, another thing that you can do is bug bounties, um, or and, and I think in general, like this this sense of I think what we've seen happen is is with Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, for example, which are rivaling cryptocurrencies, where I think developers from the opposing like teams or whatever notified the other team that there was a bug in their implementation. So I think you know that, like we have to have. I mean, I think it's good that, like, to remember that it's not you know people like to pivot these cryptocurrencies against each other and you know say like Monero versus Zcash, Bitcoin versus Bitcoin Cash, or whatever. Um, and you like for whatever reasons they may be good or not. Not like uh, I think it's important that you know to sort of remember that you know in in the end they all have very similar motives and and. Are sort of striving for similar goals, and that uh, I think this, this sort of larger sense of community enables you know people to not say, okay, I'm I'm just going to I found a bug in, in this other cryptocurrency which I don't you know I'm not a fan of. I'm just going to exploit it, but rather to say like, hey, I'm going to have a responsible disclosure and and tell the developers to fix this bug before it becomes an issue. So I think that's um, that's an important thing. And yeah, I mean, you know, the other thing is that um, you shouldn't like in terms of cryptography, you shouldn't um, like it's it's important to use cryptography. I think that comes from academic reviewed papers. You know that it also doesn't. You know that's not a guarantee, but like you shouldn't just invent your own cryptography and 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 just use it. But like if if you do, or you know then. Submitted to an academic uh, conference, there's this whole process, and and uh, ask for reviews and ask cryptographers for reviews and and um, like see whether the things that you're doing that you're even if it's just a small change, like just see whether that's you know like get more eyes on it in general. Sort of more eyes are are better. So, um, but in general, I think you know the uh, yeah the audits were a very very good idea. So just trying to understand the space better. So, you know, Bitcoin, whatever, invented in 2009. Uh, Satoshi at that time, basically, in terms of cryptography, he just kind of took 
what was already existing off the shelf, correct? He, there was no really advent in cryptography with the, no. with the development of quite interesting that Bitcoin uses very simple cryptography in some ways, you know, like signatures and hashes, which like, it, it might seem fancy on the outside, but it, it's actually not, you know, it's not uh, particularly, uh, I mean, the, the design is still very, like it's, it's, an, it's genius, right? Um, and, and it's a, it's a really cool design, but it's actually quite impressive. It's even more impressive that he was able to do this with such limited cryptography. And then I think, you know, uh, Monero and, 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 and later Zcash use, uh, sort of fancier cryptography. And, um, we've seen that sort of coming more and more, you know, like more and more fancy cryptography coming in. And, and then also, you know, like people uh, developing new cryptography specifically with uh, cryptocurrency applications in mind. So is, is, the, is the blockchain space funding cryptography, uh, cryptography development in, in any way or not, not directly in any way that you know of? It's really just coming through the university funding. No, we're there. Uh, I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's one of the... Uh, great things, I mean, personally. So we have the Center for Blockchain Research at Stanford, uh, cbr.stanford.eu, um, which is funded by uh, several cryptocurrency um, uh, sponsors, um, foundations. And I think that, um, you know, this is, uh, is funding a lot of the, you know, not just the cool thing is that it's not just funding cryptographers but also i think the need is like you know i think uh funding cryptographers is very important and and i think you know this is happening more and more and it's actually great that that i think it's amazing that you know people are are acknowledging the impact of research and and are sort of funneling money back and and are funding that uh but it's also you know the the whole idea of the center for blockchain research is to get other um parts of Academ academia involved. So, you know, there's a, a prof law professor there, there's a professor in, in economics or, or, or ga a game theory, you know, that is a part of the Center for Blockchain Research. There's like, you know, someone working on programming languages, um, on, on, on verification and, and all of these things. And I think that um, on consensus, so the cool thing about blockchains is that like cryptography is a part of it, but like the thing, one thing that I, I really find exciting about it is, you know, it really connects so many different areas. You know, it's, it's, uh, there's like consensus, there's, uh, cryptography, there's finance, there's, you know, social questions of, you know, and, and like, um, things that I'm in, in no way an expert in, but it's, it's the cool thing is that, it, you know, really you have to have some sort of understanding of all of it. Um, or, or it helps have some understanding of all of it, and I think that's uh, you know makes it makes it a really exciting field. So who who is like who are the types of people that are backing? These are like VC firms, like the same type of guys that are like backing coin, like the Coinbase's oh, of the yeah, world. Or I mean, I can read to you the the, the sponsors. It's not uh, okay. you know, not probably It's the Ethereum Foundation, Protocol Labs, Interchain Foundation, Omis Go, Definity, and Polychain. So I guess Polychain is VC. Um, I'm sure of the Monero Foundation. I, I'm not, you know. I, I, yeah, we gotta get the, we gotta get Monero on there. Great. So I'm, I'm <laughs> not. Uh, yeah, I, I think that, you know, the, the, um, 
the but you know i think that also you know there's other universities that get funded through other means and and uh, this is just specific to stanford and and i think that you know i think uh, monero has uh, i know that monero research has, has started talking about or has issued you know grants and uh, i think that's a you know i think that's really important and a really cool thing to do and and i think that you know the for you know like young professors and young phd students in the field who who don't have uh funding you know this can be really important and um i think that's um a great way to you know fund yeah i hope that you know like i don't know maybe one day i'll i'll be a professor and i hope that <laughs> you know i can get funding uh through cryptocurrencies and and whatever you know that's uh, but uh we'll see you know this um yeah yeah, it's really unbelievable because it's it's kind of like uh, it's bootstrapping research in cryptography in a, in like a a way that I imagine has never happened no, before. Definitely not. And and sort of the speed, uh, you know, at which things move is is, is new. And uh, yeah, it's 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 really exciting. Um, and I think that's you know definitely one of the 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 sort of whole price bonanza and, and volatility has it has its benefits and, and downsides you know you, you get uh it certainly like creates a lot of noise as well which which makes it uh you know uh, you always have to ask people for sort of what their true motivations are are they just motivated by financial gains which isn't something inherently evil but um it it sort of you know makes things sometimes a little bit more difficult but it certainly also has 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 positive effects, and um, I think this is this is one of them. So you mentioned um, like the holy one of the holy grails being uh, you know a non trusted setup for something like uh, zk snarks snarks right? I was yeah. mixed up between the two. So what are some of the other major things that you know researchers in cryptography are working on right now? What are like some um, of the big problems? I don't know what the you know the big problems. I mean, there's you know people are working a lot on, on as I said, quantum secure cryptography is, is always a big thing. People are working on things that you know have probably little to do with uh, you know this this field called obfuscation. Which, which I think you know I uh, like um, I can tell you some of the stuff that we've been working on, like personally. Um, uh, so one thing that we've been working on is um, so-called verifiable delay functions, which have is the interesting. It's a it's a function that takes a long time to compute. So uh, you know, say an hour or whatever. And the interesting thing is that it takes a long time to compute, no matter whether you have an ASIC or whether you are Amazon and have many parallel computers. Or whether you have a single computer, and the reason is because it's a it's a sequential function, so you know you only need one or a couple cores to compute it. But once you computed it, you can give a very efficient proof that you computed it correctly. So I can very efficiently check that this whole gigantic function was computed correctly. So why is something like this useful? Well, one of the applications that we had for it, or our original motivation, is that. Um, Say you want to get randomness. Uh, say you want to run a lottery, okay? Um, and for I don't know, 
use green cards or for whatever, you know, for electing a leader in a blockchain. Um, what you can do is you take some sort of, what you could do is you take a block header from say the Monero blockchain and the block header, because it's created by proof of work, it looks, or the solution to the proof of work looks random, right? It, it sort of looks, or, you know, it, it's, it's hard to predict what that's going to be. The problem is if you just take that, say we just take, you know, say we take the next block and then if it ends in a, if the proof of work solution ends in a, uh, or, you know, if there's more zeros than ones, then it's heads. And if there's more ones than zeros, then it's tails. And we'll do a coin flip on that, you know, for a uh, million dollars or whatever. So the problem with that is that you can go to the miners and bribe them and tell them, you know, whenever it's tails, do not publish the block, right? So you can bias the the thing, and then hopefully through that, you, you have a more than 50% chance of winning. So where does the verifiable delay function come in? Well, what we can do is we can take the block header and then compute a one hour long delay on it. And then the idea is that the poor attacking miner he doesn't know whether, or you don't know whether this block header is heads or tails, because you don't know what the, you can't compute this, this verifiable delay function fast enough. So you don't know whether to throw away the block or not. And if you just keep it to yourself and don't publish it, then you will lose the block reward because the blockchain will have moved on. You know, there's a block like roughly every 10 minutes. So you can use this to, to generate randomness from, from blockchains which has many applications and, and, you know, people are now using this to construct um, sort of uh, more energy, like more greener, uh, you know, for example, to combine proof of space and, 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 and these things to create something that has similar properties to proof of work, but without, um, you know, without burning as much energy. Right, because you know the like there's good arguments for proof of work, but I don't think anybody likes the you know likes that we're we're wasting so much energy on it. You know that and like I know that the energy is important for security, but like maybe we can we can have something where we can have similar properties, but without wasting it as much energy. And you know these verifiable delay functions can can help with that. Hmm. So you would still in a proof of work arena, you would still have you would still have proof of work, but there wouldn't be so much that race to use more and more energy. Well, so the idea is you would use proof of space. So you prove that you've allocated a certain number of space, certain amount of space, and um, then uh, you basically run uh, like you, you basically allocate your you, you you fill your hard drive with lottery tickets. Okay, and then um, you get in some. Uh, this is, um, you get in some uh, some random value, and that paired with your, or you, you get a lottery a drawing from the lottery number, lottery tickets system, and then you take the best lottery ticket, and that determines basically how much time you need to spend on the proof of time, and the VDF is basically a proof of time. So you prove that you've then spent that many minutes um, to do the proof of time. And the first person, so the person with the lowest number on their lottery ticket, 
will probably be the one that wins the proof of time. Okay, but the important property of the VDF is that it doesn't help you. You cannot really compute it faster by spending more energy on it. It's not like a proof of work where the more energy you spend on it, the faster you will be in solving it in expectation. But here it basically like, you know, you, there's sort of a gap to how much energy you can use on it. So, and the proof of space just means you have to allocate space. You don't have to um, waste, you know, you don't have to burn coal to do that. It's just sort of a one-time allocation. It's still a resource that you know you 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 have some opportunity cost for. You would like to use it for, um, you know, storing your your all your favorite movies. But um, the the yeah. So the the idea is that now because the proof of space doesn't take time, it doesn't take uh, energy, and the proof of time also takes limited energy. Now we don't have this this this. Uh, race anymore, this this energy race anymore. The only race that you have is to use sort of more space because then you will, um, you know, you will have, uh, yeah, this will make it more, um, yeah, this will, will create more, uh, you have a higher probability of winning. So, and, you know, this can also be used in, in, in other ways, but um, I think uh, maybe, you know, this can help to get us closer to sort of a, a, something that has similar properties to proof of work, but without having to waste as much energy, hmm. which I think is yeah, something important. In terms of proof of work itself and, you know, Monero and how it's been trying to, I guess, uh, eliminate ASICs, do you have any opinion on that or? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's hard. We hard forked again away from ASICs by changing. Yeah, I've, I've been like sort of following that. It's you know, it's it's not. I don't have a strong opinion on it, but I'm not quite sure that sort of phasing out ASICs is um, the best thing. Like, it's it's inherently a good thing. Like, I can see the motivation for it. The problem is, like, if you think about it, uh, sort of from a purely economical or like like incentives point of view, if I have an ASIC, if I have a Bitcoin ASIC, I cannot use that for anything else, right? Like, it's it's completely impossible to uh, use my uh, ASIC for anything else because it's like the most specialized, stupid machine, whatever. So. I don't really say I'm I have 51% of the mining power. Will I really attack Bitcoin? Because what would that mean? It would mean that probably the price of Bitcoin would drop significantly. So all this expensive hardware that I bought will suddenly become useless. So you know what have we seen in the past is that um, there's been you know I, I think there was like ghash.io way back in the day had actually fifty one percent in the day, and they actively shut down machines to get below fifty percent. Just to assure the community, hey, we're not going to attack Bitcoin, you know. And we've seen very little attacks, even though they're they're sort of academically feasible. Um, and I think part of the reason is because of this buy-in and because of this sort of because people miners really pay their they pay their utility bills in in dollars or in in, in fiat currencies, so they care about the value of of Bitcoin in a fiat currency very much. However, if you have like a perfect, say you have your perfect, you know, ASIC resistance proof of work, you can run it on like Intel CPUs or whatever your CPUs, 
um, just as fast as anything else. Like specialized hardware doesn't help, or you know, GPUs or whatever. Well, the problem is then um, I can attack, uh, you know, I can attack Monero, sort of do a double spend, get some money through that, um, and then I can use my 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 mining chips so my hardware i can just use them for doing whatever right like for playing computer games if it's gpus or for you know they still have a value so it's less of this buying effect and and sort of in a similar way i can just rent resources from amazon for a short amount of time to do an attack and there's this you know this this notion of a gold uh, finger attack where if i'm able to bet on the price so if I'm able to bet on a on a on a falling price, then maybe you know all I want to do is screw up the system. Like I attack Monero just to screw up the system, and um, yeah, and 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 uh, get some reward from this outside bet. And if that's not too expensive, then you know this this becomes really dangerous. And I think there's, you know, I see the value of, you know, I think the whole whole notion of ASIC resistance is for sort of a, a democratization of, of of proof of work, and of course it's, you know, like that that the miners in Bitcoin are like eight people and, you know, eight different entities in, in China, and we don't even know if it's really eight or if they, you know, are secretly colluding. Of course, that's super scary, and I don't think anyone likes that, um, but. It's not as clear cut to me as as you know some people make it seem. Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I mean one of the the strategies that's being discussed is to kind of ward off ASICs until we don't have to anymore. So, kind of temporarily try to hard fork away from them for whatever the next X amount of years until uh, you know ASICs are 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 there's no longer a few guys that have the advantage where only they can produce ASICs. So kind of where it gets to the point where anybody can easily get in the ASIC game. Yeah. I mean, the strategies, I think it's uh, like, you know, maybe, maybe your future CPUs will have a coprocessor that's sort of an ASIC and, and whatever. I, I mean, I think that's, um, uh, that would be, um, uh, yeah, that would be a cool future. Like as I said, I don't, you know, it's not not a clear cut thing to me. Um, I just, I, I would just say that it's not like that. It's exactly that, not a clear cut thing. So that the advantage, there are advantages to um, mining pools as well. Mm -hmm. So, do you think Monero is currently the most like fungible and private crypto we have? I don't know. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a, like, I think that sort of if you just look at the at the technical properties, um, like Zcash has the advantage that you're basically every time you're spending a coin, you're saying I'm I'm spending one of the old coins, you know, um, so one out of all of the coins in the whole history, you know, I'm not saying you know it's like in Monero you say basically I'm spending one out of out of these ten coins. And in, in Zcash, you're saying I'm spending one out of all of the coins. So, so that technically is, of course, better. The thing, though, is that you know, like, no one uses Zcash transparent like these these addresses. So the anonymity set is really, really bad, you know. And that like actually really matters. And there's been, I think, there's been even papers showing that you know, like, um, even with that level of privacy, you can, you know 
you can you can detect things and you can figure out things and um like because the privacy is so like the the the, the anonymity set is so small it's actually um not very good so um you know i don't want to so i think you know there's a trade off you know i think that that monero is used by a lot more people in in sort of real world scenarios um so that gives you a much better anonymity set in that but like technically from the properties that uh just the pure statement it's sort of the zcash statement gives you more privacy but it's also you know like the, the, the it has the downside of having the trusted setup right like you have to trust this trusted setup and mm-hmm. and i think it's also like you know it's a it's a difference in governance stru- structure zcash is, is a company and monero is 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 more run by a community um which has different pros and cons like uh, i think it's i my personal opinion is that it's good that both of them exist like and i think it's a competition is is healthy and beneficial and i'm you know i'm i i think that it's it's yeah very very good that both of them exist and and can compete and you know and can you know push each other to be uh to not get lazy and and improve on on whatever properties they have about uh grin or mimble wimble and grin are you excited about that are you looking at that yeah there's i think there's mimble wimble has like two different uh teams are are doing implementations grin and and uh beam i mean like the thing that you don't have in in grin or, or beam is is uh that um i think it's certainly very interesting um i think the thing that you don't have in grin or beam is that you don't have like you 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 can't hide as easily who's paying whom you need to do sort of a like it's more like basically like confidential transactions it, it's like bitcoin with confidential transactions and default mixing like in bitcoin you can do this mixing mm-hmm. um and mixing becomes a lot better once you have confidential transactions so the idea is that i have a transaction with many inputs and many outputs and if i don't know uh and and sort of it's hard to track which input goes to which output and um in uh in grin this means that uh so once i have the problem is in bitcoin this doesn't really work because say one input is 0.7345 and the other one is 1 and then you have one output that is 0.7345 and the other one is 1 you know then it's very easy to map what go, what maps what in in something where you have confidential transactions this mixing becomes a lot better because all of the inputs are just these cryptographic uh, hiding commitments um so and 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 so the but the big difference is that in monero i can on and zcash i can say like i am one of these you know 10 inputs and i don't need the consent of these 10 these the nine other parties or uh in zcash any i don't i don't need any consent and in grin i need to sort of work together you know i need to find nine other parties and communicate with them and create a single transaction to get sort of that that anonymity set so there is sort of the the like you know the one is um you know and one i have to communicate and and interact and the other one i don't so um i mean i'm i'm excited about anything that uses my research and it seems like uh, both implementations will use bulletproof so obviously i'm very excited about that 
Um, but, uh, you know, again, I, I don't think that it's it's clearly better or worse than Monero or Zcash. And, and I think more implement, more competition is good. And I think it's a it's also like a very simplified design, right? You can't do have scripts, you know, you can't. It's a very like it's 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 quite elegant in that it's a very stripped down design, but obviously sort of this elegance and this this stripping down of you know not being able to do scripts or fancy things um, reduces the uh, yeah like reduces the functionality I guess. Mm -hmm. How about regulation? Are you thinking? Do you have any opinions on that and how regulation might affect uh, privacy coins or? Uh, do you have any opinion on regulation in cryptography? And I mean, obviously, I would think. Yeah, I mean, it would be that cryptography itself should never be regulated. Oh no! Yeah, I mean. Like, so at, at what know, point? There's been, you know, there's we've had this history of of the the so-called crypto wars, mm -hmm. where um, this is before my my time and and you know, before I was like even remotely involved in cryptography. Um, but you know the 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 idea was that the U.S. government, I think, outlawed exporting to cryptography, so exporting algorithms, which is just sort of crazy in itself, um, and let the rest of the world use sort of worse cryptography, such that the NSA can break, you know, or the CIA can <laughs> uh, uh, break, you know, their their cryptography. That you know that that obviously seems like a terrible thing, and and luckily. There was a Supreme Court um, ruling, I think, that overruled this and, and made this illegal. I think, you know, what's very scary is that um, a lot of politicians, actually more in Europe now, uh, are talking about inserting backdoors into, um, into like, things like WhatsApp. You know, whenever there's a terrorist attack um, and the terrorists use WhatsApp, like, surprise, surprise, you know, everybody in Europe uses WhatsApp. Um, or use iMessage, you know, that's uh, like, then they say like, oh, you know, we need to be able to read, you know, what they write. And, and you know, this would let them sort of be able, uh, read what everybody writes. And, and I think that's, that gets pretty dystopian quite like quickly. Um, so, you know, obviously I'm an opponent of that. Um, I think that, um, yeah, you know, I, regulating privacy coins i hope that um you know there can be a reasonable some sort of you know reasonable ground means you know the, i think that like uh people can find hopefully find a reasonable solution i i, I don't think i've yeah i have the, the, you know i know what to do there i think that one interesting thing in, in cryptocurrencies in general or decentralized cryptocurrencies I like to like differentiate between like say the decentralization aspect and, and cryptocurrencies because you can totally build a cryptocurrency that is completely centralized. And like there's some value to it, right? Like you could have a centralized, like Fed regulated system where you have anonymous like Monero style transfers. So the Fed couldn't see how much is being transferred, but they could censor transactions, which you know has certain downsides, but like is is um, at the very least, you know. It could be dollar denominated, like they could have a crypto dollar with uh, anonymous transactions. Um, but um, the but the decentralized aspect of it, I think, has one important property, which is that like the reason why banks are so heavily regulated 
and need to be heavily regulated is because they're they have your money, right? You know, if they want to, they can do whatever they want with it. And you know, they lend it out to to other people. And you know, if they don't do that properly, then you will never see your money back. A miner does not need the same regulation because it's sort of ensured by the rules of the system that the maximum damage he, he she can do is is limited. So this whole aspect of decentralization is, I think, uh, like one major benefit of decentralization is that that parties do not the the you know the network operators, which are the miners in this case, do not need to be heavily uh, regulated because they're not monopolies. It's not like Facebook is a network. Facebook is a network uh, operator and is a monopoly. And we've seen sort of in recent times that this can lead to bad effects. You know, they, you know, if they don't take care of your private data, then things go bad. If you know they give all your data to Cambridge Analytica, then that that's a problem. Um, and the good thing is that in 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 a cryptocurrency, like like the miners can't can't do that, and they can't just decide to, you know, like if it was a central party, then they could you know print money, censor transactions, whatever. But if it like works decentralized, then they can't do that. So I think you know one of the, I hope that we can convince regulators that you know these cryptocurrencies need to be regulated in a fundamentally different way from traditional financial systems. But, that's interesting. Yeah, I've always looked at decentralization as being a means for, uh, you know, creating censorship resistance. And uh, I don't really saw this other use for yeah. it, which obviously makes a lot of sense. I think, I think it's, you know, people throw around decentralization as something that is sort of inherently good. And I think we need to be careful with that. I, I, don't, I, I honestly don't think that's true. Like, I think you need to be able to clearly articulate why decentralization is good. So. Um, for example, um, the uh, you know like a centralization centralized system is can be infinitely more efficient like than a decentralized system, right? Mm -hmm. Because you know it's just like one guy you know one database that checks you know is everything okay? Is it in the database? Is it not in the database? Perfect. You know we we have great like you know Google is a, is a is a great decentralized system that works really well. The problem is in in a network, you know, we have these network effects where the more people are added to the network, the more the value of the network grows. So it's um, it's beneficial for me to join a network that already has many uh, many uh, users, right? Um, I think that um, the problem, though, is in a network, the network operator, the person that has control of the network, like gains a lot of power because of that. If I wanted to make a new credit card network, I would have a very hard time, and no one would use it, even if my fees were zero or infinitely lower than Visa's. Why is that? Because Visa is accepted all around the world, you know, and it, it's really, really convenient um, because everybody, every shop and everything in the world is. However, this gives Visa the 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 a monopoly power, which means they're sort of, you know, they have less motivation to innovate, and they can charge whatever monopoly fees they want. Um, and like, sort of, you know, minus Mastercard, uh, you know, there's at least there's a duopoly, or you know, there's American Express as well. But like, there's very few operators. You know, it's an uh, oligopoly, basically. Um, and I think that that the nice thing is, even if you know a single cryptocurrency were to exist and were to be globally used, 
then uh, the fees could still not be infinite because there would be competition among the miners who will accept the transaction, right? If one miner doesn't accept the transaction for, you know, because he wants to push up the fees, well, then the next one will. He will be happy to take the fees, right? So you have sort of a network, uh, but without the, the, the monopoly operator. So that's sort of my view on, on a decentralized network. But, you know, I think in other scenarios, it, it, it's not, you know, it's not like everything decentralized is better. You know, that's just not, not true. <laughs> Do you think Monero is doing a better job than Bitcoin at maintaining? I know we talked about this a little before, but at maintaining its decentralized nature? Uh, or I, I haven't, like, it's hard you know, to I, I, uh, I, I don't okay. know. You know, it's, like they are defining uh, sort of the decentralized nature is is is, is difficult, but um, yeah. What do you think of uh, ring signatures? I mean, that's another thing that took place today in our hard fork. We, you know, I guess increased the the decoys. I think whatever it is from seven to eleven. I'm not sure if that's correct, but you know, yeah. we we upped that number. Um, what do you think of ring signatures in general, and whether or not is that something? That I mean, Monero just, is kind of stuck with, or will we eventually maybe replace that function as well with something better? I mean, a, a ring signature is basically just another zero knowledge proof, right? It's it's like uh, like you know I know that the term ring signature uh, sort of gets used for it, but it's it's just another zero knowledge proof. It's a proof that I know you know one of the secret keys to one of these coins that I'm spending, um, and. I think that you know. I think that increasing the anonymity set is important, and I think there's been research showing that if the anonymity set is too small, you can very easily sort of de-anonymize things. So I think that's generally a good thing. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm sure though also that you know that sort of the efficiency of the ring signature. Um, I haven't actually spent too much time looking at it, but I'm sure that the efficiency of it could be improved. So. Ooh. How do we get you to start doing that? <laughs> well, <it's, laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think that's actually, you know, there's been a lot of research on that and I think on ring signatures and um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I think the, the other thing, you know, like um, in essence, you know, the, what Zcash does is just a gigantic ring signature over everyone. So you know that's certainly something that you could maybe move to in the future, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, without like that would probably not be using snarks, but using bulletproofs, which is not. Um, it's totally possible that you can sort of instantiate, like uh, you know, I have. There's a lot of implementation questions, but it's it's not impossible. Um, and you know, the concrete numbers matter a lot, but like uh, that you can instantiate something. Like the zero cash uh, scheme with uh, bulletproofs, so you would get you know the the same anonymity guarantees as zero cash, but without the trusted setup, and um, you know on on Monero system. So um, I think that's something you know that that could be interesting um, as a future development. That's awesome. So did you uh, did you use Monero today? Did you try it out? Zap it around? Uh, I I have not. Uh, I should. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably do that. <laughs> I mean, 
it's pretty cool you know yeah there's a lot of excitement i think so i think the transaction fees dropped to about half a cent today yeah which i is, mean uh, you know like for me personally i'm I, you know this is, this is amazing you know like the i i would have never you know guessed uh guessed this you know that that like my research could be our research could be you know securing like that much money and and you know is is deployed within a year in a live system and and yeah it's 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 just really amazing and yeah i i i'll I'll definitely try that out you know uh send a send a zcash transaction i uh, send a send a monero transaction sorry maybe throw up a donation link on reddit and we'll uh we'll test it out we'll yeah. send you some uh moneros <laughs> Well, thanks Sounds again. Good. Actually, one other, what do you think of the dynamic block size? That's the one last thing I wanted to ask you about, if you had any uh, thoughts on that. Um, n- not too many, to be honest. So I, I honestly don't even know what the rules are. I think that, you know, it's... Um, uh, honestly, just don't know. Like, uh, I think that, you know, you can, it seems like something reasonable on, on the first, you know, but I haven't sort of closely looked at it. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, really excited about the developments. Uh, yeah. You must be ecstatic to actually see, like you're saying, to see your hard work actually being implemented. Um, yeah. And just thank you. Thank you again. Uh, thank you for uh, yeah. all your contributions and taking the time. It's important that you know it's 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 by no means just my work. You know, it's it's my co-authors and and like uh, even more so also you know all the people that uh implemented it um and you know developed this and, and pushed this through and, and you know the community so i think you know uh that's yeah it's great <laughs> thanks again cool bye all right thank you